Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Last week, I talked to you about a woman who came to a well and she encountered the Savior. She encountered the Savior at this well. How many remember that story? John chapter 4, you remember that story? Some of you listened to last week's podcast. Some of you did not. I encourage you, after this service, some point this week, listen to last week's because I want to give you a quick recap. And this is like a real like sports center recap. Are you ready? So the recap goes like this. Jesus comes to the well talks to this woman. She says, do you even know who I am? And, and Jesus says, do you even know who I am? And, and if you only knew who it is, who I am, you would have asked to me and I would have given you living water. Real simple text. Profound in its cultural context. Why? Because Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They just didn't and it opened up this thought of i see you that i wanted to kind of continue here this morning i need you to understand that when he saw that woman at the well he saw her in a way that other people did not and i want to tell you in this room man woman boy and girl i want you to know something i want you to know that god sees you god sees you You may think you're hiding. You may think you're lost. You may think you're not worthy. But I want everyone to look at me for a moment. I need you to understand something. He sees you. And this is not in a bad way. Some people are like, that was creepy. Because you think about it in 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 a weird way. No. He sees your pain. He sees how desperate you are. He sees the fact that you have not been connected. He sees the fact that in some ways you have not found your purpose. And I want you to know that matters to God. That matters to God. When when you don't see you the way God sees you, you will do things that God never intended you to do. Can I talk to you for a few moments? Because I want to build off of what we talked about last week, leading us into this week. Because there's an amazing text we're about to read here in just a moment. And it's only two verses. But I need to set the tone. And the tone is oftentimes, we don't ever see ourselves the way God sees us. We don't ever see ourselves in the context that God sees us. We see our past. We see our present. But God is the only one that sees our future. So rest assured in this thought. That while that woman sat at the well and she had uh, previous marriages, she had previous situations. Some of you like, I feel like God has forgotten me because I've, I've been divorced and I'm, and I'm in this relationship and then I'm not sure. Or I'm going into a marriage, I'm not sure. My, we have a history of divorce in my family. and ex- Listen, can I tell you something? God looks at you and he says, I see you. Talk to me. Because some of you complain to your friends more than you talk to God about your pain. 
It's true. Because it's a lot easier to be transparent with someone that you see directly in front of you. And it's easy to complain. But it's hard to compliment. What, what am I mean about compliment? I'm saying when I go before God, before I do anything, hello, I compliment God on how faithful he's been to me. That helps me not complain to God, even though your prayer may sound like that a little bit. Anybody ever complain to God? Some of you are like, I'm not sure I want to raise my hand. That may be a trick question, Pastor Tony. But I've been there. But you know what happens when I start to compliment God? You know what happens in my spirit? I start to realize how faithful he's been to me. How he saw me when nobody else saw me. How he felt my uh, infirmities before I felt them. Because he loves us. Why did Jesus cry before raising Lazarus from the dead? Hello? You're about to raise him from the dead and you... Why is he weeping? Don't you know what you're about to do? Get it together, Jesus, son of God. You know the stuff. You know what's about to happen. No. Why did he cry? Not because he doesn't care, but the very opposite is because he cares so much that everybody around him was hurting. He wasn't crying because Lazarus just was dead. I believe there was a part of that that was crying. That was part of the reason. But I believe that he was touched by people around him. You ever watch something on TV that you shouldn't have been crying about? But you found yourself crying. You're like, it's garlic. It was garlic in that food. Onions, onions. That's what it was. It was onions. I was cutting onions right before this commercial. You don't want to admit, but you're going through something and you, hello, right? And so you say, well, why was, why was he crying? Because there were so many people hurting around. And when the Bible says he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities, I need, you, I need you to understand something. That means that the people that are hurting around him makes him hurt too. You ever seen a commercial where someone is hungry? Child, you can feed a child for a dollar a day or something like that. And you look at him, you go, wow, and I was complaining about having pizza again tonight. We'll run in and run in. Oh, we got to have pizza tonight again. Running here, running there, whatever. But there's a kid somewhere in some country who wished to heaven he could have a slice of pizza. Right? We're so engulfed in our own life that we forget that there's pain around us. Right? And here comes Jesus. And they told him, if you'd only been here sooner, Lazarus would be alive. Do you see that backhanded compliment in faith? Do you see that? If you would have been here earlier, you're late. My brother Lazarus, who you love, would have been alive, which you wanted. Right? You see that in that text? But listen, Jesus felt their pain. So let's fast forward to John chapter 4, back to what I was talking about earlier, right? When John chapter 4, he's at the woman at the well, and so let me... Let me kind of build off of that. We talked last week about how God sees her past, but really he sees through it to who she is and he sees her. See, 
A lot of people think that God is fixated on your past. He's not. He's looking through it. And he's looking to you. Oh, come on. This will preach something. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you right now that this right here is an entire series in and of itself. Because God sees you. He knows you. He sees your pain. Some of us feel like, I don't know that he sees my pain. Can I, re- can I reassure you today? He sees your pain. And this woman at the well, he saw her pain. So let's move to another text, another person. And this person, his name is Saul. So we're continuing in this thought of I see you. And 1 Samuel chapter 10, turn there with me if you would. 1 Samuel chapter 10, two verses. Come on, I'm not asking too much of you. Grab your Bible, open it up. 1 Samuel, it's located just before 2 Samuel. I'm always here to help. (laughs) 1 Samuel chapter 10, Old Testament. Verse 21 and 22. Before we read those verses, I need us to understand something. I need us to understand that two chapters before we get to here, something significant happens. So when you turn there, look up at me for a moment because I need to know you got my, I, I got your attention. You ready? So we're going to read chapter 10, verses 21 and 22 in a minute. But I want to read one verse from chapter 8. And I'm going to read this one verse so we can lead up to this. In chapter 8, Israel is, is found at a place where they have no king. Israel has no king. And so in 1 Samuel, it says in verse 5 of 1 Samuel chapter 8, it says, appoint the king to lead us such as all the other nations have. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now who's asking this? Let me answer that question. Israel. Israel is saying everybody else has a king We want a king. God is saying to you, uh, rather, God is saying to Israel, I am your king. Rest and trust in me that I will lead you to the right place. And you know what they say? That's great, God, but give us a king like everybody else has. It's a sad day when the people of God are saying, You are good, but if you could just get me somebody human, that'll be better. This request was an indication, and dare I say, an indictment on the people of Israel. Quote, as all the other nations have. Listen, look at me. As a believer, you're not like everybody else. So you shouldn't be led like everybody else. Something went extremely wrong when the people of God are saying, give us a natural king like everybody else. When we are being led in the flesh by fleshly people, watch me now. You you follow me? When you're being led in the flesh by flesh, Guess what results? Fleshly actions. And so, God honored their request. 
This did not sit well with Samuel. And how true is it today that the world is saying, give us a leader. Give us a leader like us. God was disappointed with the heart of the people. But he he met their request and gave them one of their own. He gave them a rugged, handsome, tall gentleman, Saul. Now, why do you say that? Because 1 Samuel chapter 9, before we get to our verses, said that he is an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites. Watch this. A head taller than all the others. I know what that feels like. I was standing in a room full of five-year-olds one time. And there was none of them bigger than me. Not one. I was a head above everybody else. It was an amazing feeling. Don't. Don't. Because I'll laugh too. But here's, here's Saul. Handsome, impressive, tall man. And he said, that's your guy. Saul's external appearance was a perfect match for the people of Israel at that time. When Samuel spoke with Saul, he was quite surprised to hear that he had been chosen by God. If you look at 1 Samuel 9, 21, but I am not a Benjamite, but the smallest tribe of Israel, and it's not my clan. I'm the least in my clan. You follow this? He's saying, listen, we're going to come to the verses I gave you in just a moment, but I need you to understand. This is what Saul is saying. He's like, listen, I am the least. Why are you picking me? Like, are you sure that I'm your guy? Why do you say such a thing to me? Verse 21. Saul's insecurities were so big, it magnified in the text. So watch this. Chapter 10, verse 21 and 22. 10, verse 21 and 22. Let's read that together. Okay? And it reads like this. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, And Mastry's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. Verse 22, who's with me? So they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. You see that dude peeking right over there? That's modern day Saul right there. He's staring at you. I want to bring a message this morning entitled, There He Is. There He Is. Because one of the versions I was reading in verse 22 said, God literally pointed out, there he is among the baggage. I want us to note something. God pointed out Saul among everything else. You need to understand that God knows exactly where you are whether you're hiding or not. True story. Back in the garden, Adam sinned, Eve sinned, and God asks a question. What did he say? Adam, do you think for a moment that God lost him? Like, have you seen Adam, anybody? He had a GPS on. Trust me, God knew exactly God's positioning system. He knew exactly where Adam was. 
GPS all over Adam. What he was really asking is, Adam, where are you in me? And in the same way, when God spotted Saul, God said to the people, there he is right there. Why? Because God is often calling out his people to stand up and do their assignment. When you are called by God to do something, listen, this may not have been initially God's desire, but that is the man God still appointed. Now hear me, hear me. A lot of people talk negatively about Saul, but he was as insecure as many people listening to my voice right now. Very little difference between Saul and us sometimes. Would you agree? Although Saul made many mistakes, one thing he did do was acknowledge that he is not the man all the time. Because right in the offset, right in chapter 9, he said, I'm the least. Why are you picking me? Pick him. Did you just see his biceps? He goes to Planet Fitness every week. Saul lived with this inadequacy, but God still says, I see him. God still sees him. No matter how insecure he was, God sees him. Say that, say that with me. When I say, no matter how insecure, you say, God sees him. No matter how insecure he was, no matter how fearful he was, no matter what was going on in his life, and he sees you, and he sees you. So no matter how many times you try to hide, God's seen him. So allow me for a few moments because Saul is forever the villain in a lot of the story, right? Some of you met, read through the Old Testament multiple times, studied it. You have a study Bible that tells you here's 12 things Saul did wrong. But I, can I just kind of come at a different angle this morning for just a few moments? Because I believe there's a lot more in Saul than we want to admit in us. He was often the villain. He really was. He was often the epitome of a corrupt politician. He was often almost good enough. Almost good enough. He was often unjust in his ruling. Okay? He was often like that evil father of Jonathan that threw a spear at his own son. You like that sound effect? I've been working on that all week. That was for you, Dusty. Enjoy. He was oftentimes that evil sore loser, right? He was that guy that when, um, when he found out that David had God's hand on him, he's like, I got to take him out because my throne is my throne. Insecure. You ever met somebody that felt real insecure about their job that they thought you were after their job? And you're like, I don't want your job. I seen what you have to do. I don't want your job. <laughs> You know, what he didn't realize, biblically, Saul, Saul's whole purpose was to be David's foil. And what does that mean? By foil, I mean this. A foil is in any narrative that you find, a foil is a character who contrasts with another character and their traits are often highlighted because the, the, the character that, that is different from them is so vastly different. 
You ever seen two different characters in a movie? Or maybe you've seen a movie where there are twins and they're two very different. Let's, let's just bring it to like normal, like everyday stuff, right? You've seen a movie where there's twins that were born and they, they're identical twins, but one is like really, really organized and one is like a train wreck, right? And then one is like very, very this and one, the other one's very, very that. But, but a foil is something like that. In a, in a narrative like this, Saul was everything that David was not. In a lot of ways. You look at at Saul. He was insecure. He often wasn't willing to fight. And if he was fighting. He was fighting the wrong person. And then you got David. Right? Who was not afraid of confrontation. He was a warrior king. Right? He'd fight anybody. He wasn't. Listen. When you're a warrior king. You don't struggle with insecurities as much. You fight. That's what you do. And David was that guy. And in so many ways, David and, and Saul was so different. But, but what I want to do is I want to surface the humanity of Saul to allow us to see ourselves a little bit in that. And I want us to see that God says, there he is. Why? Not because he wanted to say, look, 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 go get him. No, no, no. What he was saying was, he's right there. And I called him. And I love him. And he's going to be king. And he's going to rule. And as no matter how many mistakes he's going to make, he's still king of Israel. You with me? No matter how many things he's done wrong, he's king. And I've said it to be so. So he's that protagonist compared to David. You know, he, he has different qualities than David, but... From, from the very beginning, Saul wanted no part of being king of Israel. But in 1 Samuel 9, he says, listen, I, I'm just out looking for donkeys and stuff. Like, I'm out just doing what I do, and God's anointing's on me all of a sudden, and he, I'm, I got a calling on my life. How many have ever been blindsided by something God called you to do? Anybody? Yeah, I've been there. I had a, my wife and I were at a church back in Westchester where we were just plugging away and doing God's will and, and just ministering to students as youth pastors and on the great leadership and whatnot. And, and we're just there. And all of a sudden he's like, we want you to hit the road and you don't know anybody, but, and we're like, wait, um, time out. So like, how's that going to work? Because like we're married and stuff and we, we want to do this thing right, but how's that going to work? Just trust me. Okay. <laughs> and like it, I felt very insecure. I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what we're going to do. I'm excited, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how that works. Why? Let me tell you why. Number one, your call is always bigger than you. Your call is always bigger than you. If your call, look at me. Look at me. If you, if, unless you're taking notes, look up at me for a moment. I need, you, I need to know you're paying attention. Because some of you think that your calling should be something you completely understand. And that is simply not true. You don't have to understand your calling 100% to be 100% obedient. Write that down. That's a good one. That's tweetable. Maybe not tweetable. I don't know. But I think... I think that there are times in my life that the calling is so much bigger than me. I thought to myself, first, I thought, 
how am I supposed to youth pastor these kids when I've only been a believer? I mean, I graduated Bible school, but I had only been a believer like two years before I went to Bible school. Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out. And then as I begin to feel like I understood, then he's like, okay, now you got that. Let's move to this. And I'm like, wait, I just got to understand this one. And now you're going to put me on, a, on, a, on an opportunity to minister potentially to, to a couple hundred people? And he's like, no, thousands. I'm like, great, fantastic. Let me pack. What? I was just getting used to 50 kids. He, ju- he just skipped the hundreds, went to thousands. Why? Because it's bigger than me. That way I rely on him. Saul saw himself more than the plan of God, more than the will of God. He saw himself. Why? Because I am the least of my tribe and I am this and I am that. Hello? I need you to hear me. God sees what you are. But he's not intimidated by the lack of experience that you have. He's not intimidated by that at all. In fact, he gets more glory when you know less. Some of you are like, he's going to get a lot of glory with me. Come on, someone. I am the least of everything in my tribe. Well, your calling is always bigger than you. Saul was being told that his job was to unify families. Okay, yeah, that's going to work. When he doesn't even, can't even unify his own thoughts. How am I supposed to do that? Just trust me. You see, there are times in our life that we have to realize that we don't live on the democratic republic. We live on a theocracy. There is one God, one savior, one ruler of this kingdom. And this kingdom is ruled by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That doesn't mean we're not involved in this world because we must be involved. Have you seen the news lately? That's because people were not involved. They've disattached themselves from everything. The church has disattached itself saying, well, the world's going to do what the world wants to do. The world needs you, church. The world needs your light. Stop playing this game of that there's a separation here or that. That's not true. Our beliefs shape what we do. And our politics are involved in that. Stop thinking we're not supposed to be involved. We are. We are. That's what got us in the mess in the first place. But we don't serve man as man. We serve man as unto God. Because we serve in a theocracy. God is supreme ruler over all things. Amen? Your call is bigger than you. Some of you hide to some degree in the luggage in your life. You hide amongst things. Well, you know, I'm really busy. You know, I don't have a lot of time. And you kind of, you know what you're doing? This is what you're doing. Ready? But we see you. Y'all seen that commercial? I don't know what commercial it is. And even if I did, I don't want to tell you what it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a commercial for a sponsor or some sort of uh, thing. And the guy is, he's a big dude. And he's hiding behind a little plant. Like, you know what I'm talking about? And he's hiding behind this plant. I hope the camera can follow me. This is small. 
There's a small tiny plant on the ground. And he, and he does this. And you look at that and you go, what is wrong with that dude? Obviously, right? It's ridiculous. It's funny. It's humorous, right? Let us pray. There's nothing else that needs to be said. Right. Trinity Mobile. Back to the thing. (laughs) Just turned it to God real quick. I lost my train of thought for a second. So we try to hide as if in some way God won't see us. And God says, there he is. Behind the bush, little bush over there. There he is behind the luggage. He's among the luggage. I wonder how many times we hid thinking God won't see us or anybody else won't see us. Now, the reasons why you hide can be various, right? It can be insecurity. I, I don't think I'm, I'm good enough. It could be a, a feeling like, you know what? Um, somebody else can do this better, right? There's going to be a host of reasons. I can't afford to take that step of faith. Uh, uh, or some like, um, do you know where I came from? I, I, just, I just feel like my, my, my purpose in life is just to do enough and I just want to go to heaven one day. God is like, stop living like a just enough life and start realizing that I pointed you out to take care of some business that is unresolved. And Israel didn't have a king. They wanted a king. He said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. Get to work. There he is, right there. Now that you know where he is, let's get to work. And so what oftentimes we forget is that God knows exactly where we are. Last week we talked about the woman at the well and we and he I see you. I see all of your failures and it doesn't matter. I still see you. And this week all of your insecurities and all the th- fears that you have, I see you and I still recognize that you are called by me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The second thought is simply this. God makes the final call. God makes the final call. It's important for us to realize that Saul, by design, Saul, by design, was almost manufactured by the people of Israel. Like, to some degree, Israel wanted a human king. And God said, okay, so you don't think I'm good enough. I'm going to give you a human king. I'm going to let you have one of your own. Even though I want to be your king, I'm going to give you one. And I'm going to give you a good one too. To show you that even the good ones is not good enough when God is the only one you should have in your heart. So he didn't give like, he didn't be like, oh, you want a king. So let me give you the worst dude so you can know how much. No, 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 no. I need you to understand that that's not how the text reads. That's not how the Bible reads it. You need to understand that because some people kind of got this idea that, that, that the people of Israel were like, we want a king. God's like, you don't need a king. You got me. We want a king. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a scrappy dude that doesn't. No, this guy was impressive. 
He was handsome. He was tall. He was everything a king should He should dominate the room when he walks in. And even that dominating person had insecurities. Because he's what? Human. So even the best, to some degree, even the best still falls short when it comes to comparison with God. Is that right? So look at me. Even those things in life that seem like they're a good option. I trust God, but let me look at this option over here. Listen, you either trust God or you don't. You either see God or you don't. But if you really want to trust in God, it's going to take a little bit of faith. You're not going to see everything. It doesn't take 100% knowledge to trust God 100%. And that's, that's a reoccurring thought that I need you to understand this morning. It doesn't take 100% knowledge for you to trust God implicitly. God's call is the final call. God makes it, not you. Yes, I know you've made mistakes. Whoop-de-doo, so did I. So did everybody else in this room. Raise your hand if you made a mistake. Now look around. Those of you that did not raise your hand, you just made a mistake. Raise your hand now. Everybody that made a mistake, raise it. Right? We're at 100% now, so thank you for that. We're all, we're all in need of a Savior, and God is the one that makes the final call, not man. Not man. While Israel chose Saul, God called him uh, who was enough to fulfill the task. God called a man that was enough to fulfill the task. Perhaps we should sometimes give ourselves a break, yes? Hello? Look at me. Cut yourself some slack and believe God when he says, I've called you. He sees you. He sees exactly where you are. Some of you are like, but you don't understand my... No, I don't, but God does. Your insecurities matter to God, but they don't matter by way of execution. He's the one that's going to execute through his Holy Spirit in your life all the tasks that he has for you to do. You just have to trust him to use you. Are you with me? Some of you, I lost you at execution. You're like, what? He's going to do what to me? No, he's going to make that happen through you. He's going to fulfill a task through you. But you've got to be willing to say, yes, here I am. And that is half the job. That's half the job. If you could just say, here I am, send me. Not here I am, send them. Because they're better at this. Because they have a degree and I don't. Because they have this ability and I don't. They've been doing this for 10 years and I don't. I never did it. Can I tell you something? What if this entire church operated by the, by the percentage of commitment that you make to Christ? What if this whole church operated by the amount of minutes that you serve? Or by the way you give? Or by the way you love? Or by the way you serve man? What would this church look like if everyone served like you, gave like you, loved like you, embraced like you? Some of you are like, close the service now. And some of you are like, man, I think that would rock. There's different place. Everyone's in a different place right now. But here's what I want to tell you. The church is a place full of people that God has called 
that have a bunch of people with insecurities. There's times I pray and I preach and I walk off the stage and I go, I hope what I said mattered and I hope it made sense. And then someone will come up to me and go, that message was for me. And I'm like, thank God. Because I thought for a moment I didn't reach anybody. I have those feelings too, can I be honest? And I'm sure my wife will say the same. There's times, she, I know I've talked to her, she said, there's times I sing and I feel like I'm the only one singing. I mean, did I, did I read? And then somebody will come to her and say, that song really ministered to me. And she's like, Whew. In some way, shape, or form, we all deal with insecurities. But God says, I see you. Even among the baggage. Yes, and even behind that giant bush that's really this big. I see you. <laughs> I see you. Even with all the insecurities and failures, God says to Saul, I see you. So how am I concluding this? Here's a thought real quick. I think we should all be able to relate to Saul in some way. Yes? We all have fears that can keep us from doing God's will. Anybody ever had a fear that kept you from doing God's will? Yes? Because I think we all dealt with that sort of thing. And there's not a single person in this room that, it, that has felt like 100% of the time I knew 100% of what God was doing. Not a single one of us. Starting this church, I felt strongly that we were supposed to do it. Almost 11 years ago now. But there was a part of me that's like, I never did this before. God help me. And some of you knew me back then. And you look around the room, you're like, wow. And I, I do the same thing. Wow. Because it wasn't me. It's what God did with faithfulness and his people responding. So what has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? What have you stopped short of doing because you felt like maybe you weren't good enough? Is there a possibility that there may be some people in this room that maybe stopped short of doing what God called them to do because you felt like maybe like Saul, you were hiding and you were like, I don't know that I can do this job. Let me see. You know, what? You know, I, I believe, <laughs> I'm reading into the text a little bit, forgive me, and I, I don't have any evidence of this, but, but this is a thought that kind of comes to my mind. What if, he was, what if Saul was not just hiding because he was insecure, but what if he was hiding also to try to find out what other people thought of him? Maybe if I just hide amongst the stuff, maybe I can catch a whisper of what somebody like. Does somebody like me? Does somebody not like me? Maybe I can feed off of that a little bit because I'm not sure. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That maybe, just maybe, we come to a place where we say, God, I don't know that anybody likes me, but they don't have to like me if you've picked me. They don't have to like me if you've chosen me. They don't have to approve of me if you've already approved of me. God says, I see you. I see you. And so there's nothing in this world that would please God more than for you to say yes. Yes, God. And so... Here's my thought to you today. What are you hiding from? 
Are you hiding from talking to a neighbor about Jesus? Are you hiding from standing up for your faith? I love how my daughter watched God's Not Dead recently. They watched it in school. She started talking about it in the, in the, in the car, and I'm like, oh, like, she gets certain things. I'm like, this is amazing. But sharing your faith in school, maybe for you, maybe for you, it's very difficult to do. Maybe doing the right thing when nobody else would do it. Maybe it's a new ministry role God is calling you. Like, I don't know, pastor. God's been showing me that I'm supposed to be a part of something, but I really don't want to go to pastor about it because maybe if I, if I could just dodge God long enough, he'll pick somebody else. Unfortunately, that could happen, but you'll be in disobedience. You would be in disobedience. So God has a way of calling us out. He says, I see you. Just as Saul hid among the luggage and the baggage, God says, stop hiding. I see you. There he is, right there. Get him and let him do his job. Because I see him and God sees you. God sees you. Can you bow your heads with me for a moment? God, I thank you that you see us. I thank you that you see our struggle. You see our pain. You see our fears. You see our anxiety. You see our past. But you've chosen to see through it to us. This doesn't stop you from loving me and I thank you. That God you're merciful every single day. And today is a new day. To make things right by stepping out in faith to do your will. I thank you that while things are impossible with man. They're possible with you. That God, you would never ask me to do something I can't do without your strength in one way or another. With the calling you have upon my life, God, and the anointing that you've given your people, just as with Saul, you called us to handle some things. So God, I ask you today, be bigger than our struggle be bigger than our pain be bigger than my circumstance just be bigger Lord if there's anybody at the sound of my voice right now who thinks they're hiding but really God knows exactly where they are if there's anyone oh God Point them out. Call them out. Not to embarrass them, but to say, I still see you. You haven't fallen off my radar. And I thank you that your radar is so vast and your hand is so outstretched. No one could truly outrun your grace. I'm asking you today, God, if there be any souls among us that I felt the least maybe they're the youngest in their family and they've always been considered the baby and they've embraced that role Lord call them 
Maybe they don't make a lot of money. Call them. Maybe they don't have a, 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 a sort of title of any sort. Call them. Call them out. Because you use the least things in the world's eyes to confound the wise. So today, use the least things. Use us. Thank you that you don't call just the elite. You call everyone that's willing. For whosoever will. God, I pray today that you would help us to see everything you have for us. And thank you that you see us right where we are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me for a moment? Here's your personal spiritual homework. Take a good look at what you are called to do. Look at me. Take a good look at what you're called to do. Because God has put gifts in every single person. And I said this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I believe. I said the gifts of God are irrevocable. I need us to understand that that is not just scriptural. It is factual in the kingdom. He's put gifts on you that he won't call back. Those gifts, look at me, I need you to understand this. Those gifts will die with you. They will die. He won't strip them and give them to somebody else. Those gifts are tailor-made for you, like a uniform, customized for you. He gave you gifts. He may have somebody else come along and do an assignment, but your gifts are yours. He'll never give them to somebody else. He wants to use them. And you are responsible for that. That's a good thing. That means he doesn't forget us. I see you, he says. I see you. Come on, tap your neighbor right now real quick. Tell him I see you. Now tap your other neighbor on the other side and tell him God sees you. Amen? Listen, my prayer today is that you go about your Sunday today and know that God cares about you deeply. And I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask Dan, come on up here, Dan, real quick. Come on up and pray. Give me this microphone. And Dan, come up and just pray for us real quick as we close this service. Dear Lord, I just, we're all in different seasons of this life, but Lord, I just pray that we would remember this day, Lord God, that you see us no matter where we're at, no matter what the situation is, Lord God, and you know what's best for us, Lord God. I just pray your blessing upon each and every family, each and every brother and sister that's here today. Be, keep them safe, Lord God, and may you walk with them through this week and may souls be changed because of your influence on their life. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.